This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you in part by Rosedale Communications, offering author-centric literary consulting, writing, and editing services to help you capture your voice, craft your message, edit your content, and publish your completed manuscript for business or ministry online at craftingyourmessage.com. Hey there, it's producer Michael Miracle here. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. We are your on-air resource as a workplace believer. And check out our website for tons more I Work For Him resources. We've got blogs and podcasts and reading material and all sorts of fun stuff there. Plus, a link to listen to the live show several times a day. Yep, head to the website. That's IWorkForHim.com. IWorkTheNumberForHim.com. And the listen tab's up there on the top left. Click that, then click the live link, and you can listen to us live every weekday. That's IWorkForHim.com. I work the number four him.com. And now let's go ahead and kick off what we all came here for, hearing more about connecting what we learn on Sunday with what we do in our nine to five. This is the I Work For Him podcast. Hey, we're fueling the faith and work movement five days a week on I Work For Him, providing you resources for your workplace, helping you connect what you hear on Sunday with what you do in your nine to five. So welcome to I Work For Him. However you're listening to us today, make sure you tell a friend and check us out online at IWorkForHim.com. That's IWork, the number four, Him.com. When you look at history, there are leaders that set high moral standards and lead their people well. There are leaders that set no standards and destroyed themselves and the people they led. There have been maniacal leaders or maniacal, however you want to say it. Uh, There have been passionate leaders, transformational leaders, corrupt leaders, self-centered leaders, but there's only been one eternal leader, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the most impactful leader since the dawn of time in his principles and style. They're still transforming society today, one individual at a time. There's one group of people talking about this on a wildly popular podcast called Eternal Leadership with John Ramstead, Sandra Crawford Williamson, and Steve Ryder. They join me today to talk about their mission and their mission field john and sandra welcome to i work for him jim good to see you again buddy well it's, it's great to have you guys on the, on the radio show sandra i'm so glad you could join us john and i've done some radio together i'm glad you could join us as well woohoo great to be here we're so excited just very very excited all right so let's talk about your your faith let's just start it from the scratch john you and i you know we, we share a lot of common history yet the audience doesn't know that we both grew up john and i didn't know each other growing up but we grew up literally 200 yards from each other and we played on the same hockey rink but we didn't know each other because he would remember me if we played hockey together because i would have dominated his body on the <laughs> hockey rink that's there's no question about that all right so john how did you come to be a christ follower all right. Well, I, I grew up going to River Hills United Methodist Church, Jim, which you might uh, be aware of, which was kind of down the road. I do remember Growing that. Growing up bet. in that environment, I never understood nor connected to a personal relationship with Jesus. So when I got to college, pulled the ripcord um, big time and then went in the Navy as a fighter pilot. And then what happened was is uh, just got my dream orders to go to Top Gun and I had an injury and I had to get out of the Navy. I was totally lost. And you know, what happened was I met these men that became mentors in my life, helped me kind of get back on my feet, get a new dream, get my feet underneath me, get a job. And it was through that relationship that those men led me to the Lord, to a personal relationship with Christ when I was 27 years old. And, you know, for me, like what you're doing with, I work for him. It showed me the power, especially looking back now of Christ and living out our faith in the workplace and, you know, bringing it outside the walls of a church 
And so, man, I love what you do. I appreciate you. You are awesome. And I, man, just keep doing what you're doing, brother. We'll just keep you on the air all day long because I love getting <laughs> words of affirmation. That is one of my love languages. So it's always nice to hear those kind words. Sandra, what about you? This is the first time on I Work For Him for you. How did you come to be a Christ follower? Well, you know, it's a crazy story. I grew up in South Louisiana in a missionary Baptist household. So um, very, very strict. Couldn't cut my hair or wear makeup or any of that stuff and um, couldn't wait to get out of there. You know, I, I knew the Bible inside and out. We were there anytime the doors were open. Uh, but that knowledge was all head knowledge and not heart. So went away to college and very stereotypical um, I found the opportunity of every party on campus and, uh, every bad boy that I could date, every fixer upper I could try and fix up. And, um, you know, I started a career, had a great career. And then, uh, in my early thirties, got back into church and was in a church in Dallas, Texas, and, uh, you know, heard the right message at the right time. And God just spoke to me and said, you know what, this is, it's different now. Now I'm, now I'm with you every step of the way. And, uh, so, you know, I always say I, I knew God from birth, but that heart relationship really happened as an adult, which gives me a very different perspective to ministering to people. Why does that give you a different perspective? You know, my husband um, came to know the Lord when he was 12. And so he had all of his teen years, young adult years, figuring out, you know, work and friends and all of that as a believer, where I had, I'm 50 now, so I have had more years without the Lord in my heart than I have with the Lord in my heart. So that's two things. It helps me, I think, relate to people very differently because I've been in a lot of their shoes um, uh, you know, as someone just kind of floundering on their own and because I'm, uh, you know, so, so passionate, I, I think I'm more passionate about my faith because I remember how hopeless the world was before, if that makes any sense. It does make sense. And I don't have that perspective as an adult of living in that hopelessness. Uh, I mean, I've been a Christ follower since I was 13, so I don't have that. So it's that unique perspective because we we're surrounded by people that live without hope that, that go, that's the whole reason for I work for him. Every day we go to work with people who don't know Jesus and therefore they're live. They're going, what is this all about? I don't get it. And yeah. we've got the answer to every question that they're asking. Jesus answers every one of those questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. John, what are you thinking? Yeah, well, I'm just thinking about, um, you know, everything you guys are talking about, right? The, this world, there's this this hopelessness, right? And uh, I love that book called Living Above the Level of Me- Mediocrity. And uh, and I can't remember the survey that came out recently, but it was like 87% of the people are not, have have any sense of fulfillment in their life. And I mean, so what you're talking about, this, this hopelessness is absolutely epidemic. And I would guess that it's even, uh, the numbers are probably even higher with a lot of people that would call themselves Christians because they haven't really connected to, I think, with what the three of us have in our life, because to live that life of joy and 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 being fully alive and just being passionate is not something I actually thought was achievable until I actually went through this transformation that happened because of my accident a few years ago, which you know about, but man, that is how I live today. And so that is what drives me every day is to bring people to this place of fullness 
And because it is achievable, that is the, you know, heaven on earth, that is the kingdom in, you know, in the present here and now that is, um, you know, and so it impacts everything we do. I mean, it impacts everything we do. so, So jazz. All right. So speaking of being jazz, when you hear I work for him, Sandra, when you hear that, obviously it's the name of our radio show. But what does that mean to you when you hear I work for him? Yeah, I love it. Um, You know, as John said, and you mentioned, we go out into the world every single day and it's hopeless. I mean, you know, you have little kids shooting each other and you have people mailing bombs to strangers and just the hopelessness that's around. And so, you know, I came up in my 20s and early 30s pushing for the next level, the next promotion, the next digit on my paycheck, super, super driven. Um, and I call it my, uh, the sin of self-sufficiency phase mm-hmm. because I thought I was doing all of that and I was so awesome and so cool and like a bag of chips too. And so, um, what kind of chips? I got, yeah, you know, Doritos probably. Okay. Which kind of Doritos? The super spicy ones. Okay. All right. Fiery Doritos. Good. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Off track. <laughs> I so, go um, cool ranch. Yeah. So I, um, I, I had this phase of life where I was working for me and what it brought to me and my life and what stuff I could buy and how awesome I could look and how many magazine covers I can make. And, um, and then, you know, after Jesus, just everything's on his head. Right. And so now all of a sudden everything I'm doing is for him. Um, and and not just financially and in my time and talent and treasure, but in the people I'm trying to bring into my net and the people I'm trying to influence and, you know, the light that I'm trying to bring into this dark, broken, world. And so I was a very, very different leader um, post-salvation than I was before, for sure. John, what about you? You you, uh, you said you've said it many times recently, you know, because of your accident, you know, God really shifted your, your paradigm permanently. How, when you hear I work for him, how does that describe what you do every day? Well, you know, at the accident, uh, Jim, being in God's presence and the first thing that I felt uh, being in his presence, because I should have died that day, was the most intense and unconditional love. And, you know, reflecting back on it, realizing all this other stuff that I did. Right. I talked about pulling the ripcord and all these other stories that, you know, we could spend a lot of time talking about probably Sandra and I that we're not you know, proud of. All that stuff wasn't even relevant to the relationship that he had already with me. And, um, and for me, it was realizing that he had a perfect plan for me, that all the stuff that I was going through, uh, he, this gift of life was a perspective I should have had before the accident. And I get to live this joyful life today, serving him from that place versus kind of a place of obligation is kind of how I felt beforehand. Hmm. Talking the day with John Ramstead and Sandra Crawford Williamson. These guys do a podcast on a regular basis. You can sign up to get it sent to you. Eternalleadership.com, eternalleadership.com. John, how did you and Sandra, how did you become an expert in leadership? You, you flew planes. You know, how, how's that leading? You bomb people. You know, what is that all about? Okay, so here's my first thought when I read your question. I became an expert on leadership by doing it so awful and so wrong and failing at it so often. I was either forced to learn and get better or give up, brother. (laughs) I thought the Air Force raised up incredible military leaders. And I mean, did you not learn great leadership skills when you're in the military? You know what? I was I to me was modeled amazing leadership and horrible leadership. 
So honestly, coming out of the military and getting into business and working, I knew what I wanted to create, the kind of culture, the relationships, the kind of company that was actually modeled after the fighter squadron that I loved being a part of, man, we were all part of one team. Our philosophy was a rising tide lifts all boats. Our success is built on helping other peoples around us be successful. And so that's actually what I brought into every organization I came into. And, you know, all of us carry some of these, you know, all this baggage from our past. So just how to deal with people and handle conflict and anger issues. I mean, there was stuff I had to work through. I, I know I broke some glass on the way of, you know, failing forward as John Maxwell calls it. But that's what I kept doing is every day I was willing to actually put myself out there, take some risks and fail forward. And and I think that's, I wouldn't say I'm, maybe I'm an expert just because, uh, you know, we've been able to interview all these people and I've been, you know, alive for 51 years. Uh, but I, I think I've learned old? more from the things I have not done well. I can't believe how old you are. I know, dude. And guess what? You're the same age. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's right. We were in the same graduating class. All right. <laughs> Again, John and I grew up in the same town in snowy Minnesota. They're, the, they're in the frozen tundra, made famous by Steve Cannon on the Cannon Mess, uh, WCCO, my favorite radio guy in a long time past. We lived 200 yards from each other and never knew each other. That's because he was so naughty, his parents sent him to private Catholic school when he was in high school. Yeah, all boys military private. <laughs> all boys Catholic military school. private. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Sandra, what about you? How did you become an expert at being a leader? Well, you know, first of all, John's very humble. John is a lifelong learner and he's constantly studying and reading and um, following some of the, you know, what I think are the most amazing leaders in the world today. So kudos to him for that. Um, you, you know, I, I had a corporate career first. So, you know, I started right out of undergrad with Procter & Gamble and then Coca-Cola and then Nabisco. And so, you know, all three of those computer uh, consumer packaged goods company, just amazing, amazing grassroots uh, training programs. Free know, plugs right here on I Work For Him. I always love giving free plugs to big companies. We'd love to have, well, some of them as sponsors on I Work For Him. Okay. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, you go to work for Procter & Gamble right out of college and, you know, they put you in the, what they call the hypo, the high potential management leadership program where you're fast tracked. And so, you know, that training was absolutely amazing. And because back then they literally only hired the top 1% from certain schools. I mean, my joke was that, you know, it must've been a typo uh, and, um, you know, a wrong letter because I got in from uh, LSU. And, uh, and so you were surrounded by this, these superstar people, you know, my age and, and older. And so I had some amazing people to emulate, but, you know, like John, I, you kind of also learn more from your mistakes. And I will tell you, um, you know, my, my first VP job at Universal Studios, you know, all of a sudden it's like, hey, here's this 200 person team. And, you know, I, I, I had to some nights like just pray. All right. Lord, I don't know. I'm going to handle this situation. So, you know, it was through learning and prayer and example. Um, but I will say this. Not until I was married and had my own children did I truly come into my full potential as a leader. And I'm not saying that it's that way for everybody, but it was for me because the, the empathy that I gained by becoming a parent and the understanding of diversity and differences in people and, you know, how you make uh, how people are, are wired differently, you know, and so becoming a parent led me down the path of halftime Institute and, um, 
you know, strength finders and the power of uniqueness and all of that stuff, which really then put me, uh, put me in a place where I started my consulting firm because I became so passionate about how to lead people based on their own individual traits. Uh, and, you know, that's why I'm here talking to you. Well, I thought maybe when you mentioned that, that's why I didn't really become a great leader until I had kids. And I thought you were going to say, because I had to learn true selflessness. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely <laughs> one of it. That's why I'm huddled here, you know, in the dark on uh, recording this podcast, because all the little monsters are out in the, the other part of the house right now. And uh, it's monsters, so wait a minute. as a yeah. true leader, your minions replicate your behaviors that you're demonstrating. <laughs> Well, that's probably true. Oh, calling it out, Jim. Love it. My my kids are old. You guys are both still in the midst of all that. Man, we had kids early and they're grown, they're gone. And so whatever mistakes I made, they're multiplying. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I was a late bloomer because I had my career first. So I'm 50 with a six-year-old. So I'm tired just sitting here. That keeps you young. I'd say it keeps you young. John. Hey, hey, Jim, can I throw something in there for you? Absolutely. I think, you know, something that set me on the path to, you know, becoming an effective leader was, you know, when I, the last segment we talked about, I got out of the military, didn't know what to do next and was mentored. And some of the advice that I got was look at Christ as a model of leadership. If you go up to people, take a sincere interest in them, start a conversation, develop a relationship and be somebody that serves them by providing a solution and helping them in their situation. Then, you know, you, that gives you the ability to positively influence them. And I, and I truly believe that that is leadership. And if people can shift their mindset instead of making it about them or the arrows are in, but if you and I are working together and, or a peer or a colleague or somebody sitting in the same cube with me and I can help them succeed or share something that's going to make them a better person inside the office or out, I am influencing them in a positive way. And if you just keep doing that and building on that, I think that is that that kind of mindset, that philosophy is what I built my my career on. And I know Sandra has done the same thing. Well, what you just described was Jesus's model of leadership. I mean, it was Absolutely. relationship driven. He mentored people. He started with 12, as I like to call them, knuckleheads, because I register with I, 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 they all resonate with me. In fact, if you want to check out my new website, knuckleheadsforjesus.com, knuckleheadsforjesus.com, <laughs> it, it just sends you right to I work for him. But anyway, it's it. Seriously, but Jesus mentored people. I mean, in mentoring and discipling, I mean, he didn't just disciple them and teach them all about God. He taught them all about how to live faith in every part of his life. And that's really what a leader does. I mean, a leader invests his or herself into another person, and that's how you replicate it. I mean, that's what I saw. Isn't that what you did in the Air Force? Yeah. When, or the Navy, know, excuse you, me, the Navy. I'm sorry. The Navy. You know, I don't want to get in trouble for saying the wrong okay. thing. I have some great Air Force jokes, but they're not appropriate for Christian radio. Um, the, so that therefore they shouldn't be appropriate for you. <laughs> Correct. Well, I, I flushed them. I, I, they're not, they're no longer even in my recall. I just remember I used to have those. Anyway, um, what, what was the question again? The Jim? question was, did the Air Force teach you that investing your life into the next, so I said it again, I meant the Navy, the Navy, did they teach you investing your life into somebody else? That's the best way to create more leaders to replicate, to create a perpetuation plan. You know, I would say not just the Navy, but every leader that I've worked for that I look back on who had an positive an impact in my life in a positive way are those people that sowed into me selflessly, gave me their best information in a way that made me want to share with others and make and give that gift to others that these people had given to me. So I think what you're talking about is, you know, is, is just 
how we should be and how we should show up in the world, really representing the kingdom. That is, that is really kingdom leadership that actually leads to replication and, um, and then, you know, multiplication. Well, okay. So how do you guys feel about this multiplication thing? How have you guys done to date on multiplying positive leaders underneath your leadership? Sandra, you first. Well, you know, it's a constant daily goal of mine. I mean, I, I first and foremost start with uh, trying to emulate Christ for my children. You know, Christ was an amazing leader. Like you said, he took these knuckleheads and, you know, in a matter of a few decades, right, the, the movement has, has swept over most of, the, most of the world. And now today, 2,000 years later, it's, it's still here and alive and well. So I'd call that a success. So it's, um, you know, one of the most exciting things that happens is, you know, I've managed thousands of people throughout my almost 30-year career. And it's really neat when I run into someone or get an email saying, hey, you did this and it impacted me so tremendously. Um, and, and so, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy because you have to balance your own personal needs against the business needs, against the individual's needs. And it's a con it's, I call it a, an equilibrial equilateral triangle. And you're constantly moving the corners of that triangle based well, on the, well, we'll do a little geometry right after the break. You're listening to I work for him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. We're talking today with the eternal leadership podcast team, John Ramstead, Sandra Crawford, Williamson, sorry, and Steve Ryder. He wasn't able to join us today because of when we were recording and it just didn't work out for his team, but he may just join, he may just call in randomly. We have no idea, but we got John and Sandra here and we're talking about what eternal leadership's all about. John, why don't you give a quick plug on why people should be signing up to get your podcast all the time? You know, one reason, uh, you know, as I, as, as I've looked at my life and I think this whole leadership industry and entrepreneurship industry, they focus on the wrong thing. And they've totally led people astray. They talk about the why, the what, and the how. And guess what? None of that's going to work, no matter how good the information is, unless you get the who figured out. So here is our entire thing is we want to help people step into their best self, the person that Christ created them to be. And to do that, you know, I, you know, I, I see Sandra and I as chain breakers. Man, people are just bound up in all this stuff in the world and these limiting beliefs and, and who they are. And to step into just an extraordinary business that's profitable, relationships, marriage, impact in this world. You know what? There is a way to get there. Sandra and I have walked that path. We don't see ourselves as the gurus. We're just a couple steps ahead of folks. And so we just want to share everything that we've walked through freely to, to those that plug into what we're doing so they can take that next small step forward. Man, that is our passion. I love that. So people can find you online, eternalleadership.com, eternalleadership.com. How often do you guys put out a podcast? Uh, every week, every Tuesday, we release one episode. And when you guys, when people sign up to the, does that get, that link get sent to them in an email or does that, I mean, are they getting it off of iTunes? Where are they getting this thing? Yeah, it's on, it's on every podcast platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And then also if you go to eternalleadership.com and, and sign up for our newsletter, we, we send everybody a reminder every week with a little summary of, of what the episode's about because we realize there's some great content out there and people should be listening to you, Jim. And so they might not listen to every one of ours, but they can read what it's about and go, oh, man, I'm all in or, you know, maybe I'll pass this week. So Like that you know, email I got from you today saying, is the church even relevant today? I, yeah, that, we're not we're not afraid to be a little controversial. Well, that was I a, imagine you're going to get hate mail awesome from interview. I bet it was. I can't wait to listen to it. I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet. OK, so I can tell you my opinion on that if you want. <laughs> sure. Go ahead. I think uh, a majority. Well, let me ask you this question. In the last 20 years, 
who has had more influence on our culture, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, or the entire evangelical movement combined? I think that will answer the question that you asked for. Well, we talk about it on the air all the time. The church became irrelevant in our society. We stopped engaging our culture, which is why we lost the culture battle, which is why we have you know, marriages that aren't just between a man and a woman, which is why the LGBT movement really is ruling every part of our society. Christians disengaged from society. We came, we started operating within the four walls of the church and we got to break out. We got to break out the walls, but we got to start equipping people to live out their faith in the 95% of their life. They live outside of the four walls of church. So I, I, I don't think the church is irrelevant because of this one fact. And this is where I got corrected because I said those words. It's not irrelevant because it was Jesus's idea. It just needs to be remade, remade. And uh, Todd Bolzinger out of Fuller Seminary wrote a book, Canoeing the Mountains. And it was all about, hey, we've been doing church the same way we've been doing church for 50 years. We can't do church that way anymore. It doesn't touch the it doesn't touch the culture. We need to reengage the culture. We need to reengage sinful people, sinners. They don't even feel welcome coming to church. Well, well, here's the other thing, too, though. Everybody listening, right? The lay person who attends church. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just hour. you just spoke a heresy right there. No such word in the Bible as lay person. That's okay. part of the issue we have today. There's no such thing as a lay person. We're all ministers. Lay person goes on. So you just got in there. Soapbox. I'm jumping on. You, the lay person <laughs> insinuates that there's people higher up, pastors yeah. and priests and missionaries, and then the lay people that serve underneath them. That was a fa- fallacy. That's a theological nightmare that's a made-up deal sorry yes and you and, well no i love that you went there because you made my point for me because um we show up we go to church sunday from eight to nine we assume that role as you know that that is our role and guess what we the average person out there has disengaged from their not only their role in the church but also in society so it's incumbent upon us as business owners as leaders to be influencing the pastors and the leadership of the church to equip the body of Christ so that we can go out into whatever sphere of influence God has put us in, whether it's religion, business, family, media, entertainment, education, I don't care what it is, and go take territory back. There's too many Christians that got the, you know, we got the barcode on our forehead and, you know, we got the fire insurance. So guess what we do? We're like this army that's preparing to depart the battlefield, like in the that movie Dunkirk. We're just waiting there for the boats to show up to take us out and we hope we don't get bombed instead of the guys that are out actually taking territory for God and for the kingdom. So now you got me on my soapbox, but that is that is how I feel about that subject. We need to go out and be a presence and a force and with humility be bold and courageous in this world. The statistics are staggering. 85% of the population of the United States of America is not engaged in church. They're not going to church. Yet only 6% of the population calls themselves Christ followers and can actually connect their faith, their work, and their Bible. Actually, their faith in their Bible and only only 1.5% of the population connect faith and work and scripture together. Only 1.5%, according to George Barna. The numbers are staggering. All right, Sandra, you've been very quiet. How do you feel about all that? Well, you know, I did a piece for uh, IFWI, the Institute for Faith, Work, and Economics, a few years ago. Find them online at tifwe.org. And... um, And uh, I did this piece for If We a couple of years ago, and it was called She's There, Look Closer. And it's about the unmarried adult woman that is sitting on the back row of church who goes to work 
um, you know, Monday through Friday and, you know, she's an attorney, an executive, a doctor, whatever. She might be, you know, um, working as a teacher, a nanny, whatever. And then she's, you know, she's 35 because people are getting married later. So she doesn't fit into any church bucket, right? She's not um, married with kids. She's not a single anymore because she's 35. She goes to the singles group. They're 25. She's going to look creepy. Um, you know, she's not divorced. <laughs> she's not in college. You know, she doesn't fit into any, quote, program. And so, you know, I was that person. I didn't get married until I was 36. So I went to church late. I snuck in on the back row. I had my own private worship time. And then I left early because no one talked to me. Um, you know, I'd go try to get in a small group. And again, there wasn't one for me. And so, um, you know, I'm very passionate about the, the single adult working woman. You know, 52% of women in America work outside the home. And, and yet the church, a lot of churches, a lot, I should say, a lot of churches are still um, ministering and preaching and have programs that are around the traditional, you know, um, single household earner. Um, but you know, that, that just isn't reality anymore. So, you know, the, the church didn't speak to me for a long time. You know, no example was about a single working woman. No, you know, the examples for women were all about things in the home and that sort of stuff. And, you know, I'm not like burning my bra, swinging around, you know, doing a woman's March. I'm just a regular, you know, regular person who wanted to be ministered to, and there just wasn't anything for me. So I think for, um, and I think that's true for men too, because when I do this talk, I have men come up to me is like, you know what, I'm 30 and not married yet and a professional. And I feel the same exact way. So it's not just a woman thing. It's a, it's a, you know, we evolved as a society, you know, and, and we're different. We have two parents working, you have divorced families, you have technology, you have people that are um, commuting, you know, you have all these changes, but yet the church stayed pretty much the same, you know, from the day of Pentecost, right? And so we need to step it up. And that's why I loved the talk with Garris. Um, you know, I talk a lot about the the seven mountains of, that make a culture and, you know, church is one of them and we need to get our freaking armor on and get back in society and kick some butt. Okay. So let's take that. So let's speak to those women that are out there in the workplace. The, the, they're at all different levels of the organizations. The 55% of the workforce is women today. How, yeah. where do they go? Where do they go to get discipled, to connect their faith in the work, to connect what they hear on Sunday with what they do in their nine to five, to recognize that their workplace is their mission field, that they may be the only Jesus people meet. Where do women go? What ministries are out there for them? Well, first of all, they can come to SandraCrawfordWilliamson.com and they can be ministered to with the content there. I also am on the board of an amazing ministry um, called Forward Women, the number four, W-O-R-D, women.org. Um, Diane Patterson started the ministry some years ago and, I, and I've been, um, gosh, four, almost five years now. Uh, and it is specifically for professional Christian women in the workplace. And, and last I checked, they're in 24 states. Forward women is in 24 states. Is that and true? Three con- yeah, in three countries. And we have a formal mentor program and an annual retreat. And, you know, it, it, we have something for everybody. If you just want online content, you go get that. If you want a small group, you can get that. If you want a one-on-one relationship, a mentor program, you can get that. Um, you know, some people are traveling and they're going to the programs when they travel. So it's pretty incredible. But at the end of the day, um, 
you got to let your freak flag fly, right? Because um, I was a Christian in the office for a long time, but people didn't know, right? They just thought I was a nice person. But then all of a sudden, I start walking it out, you know, as I, as I, went through my transformation as a leader. Um, and, and I was very open with my faith. And in fact, I would use it in examples and meetings and I would pray. And, um, and all of a sudden people came out of the woodwork, right? I, I jokingly say, and I'm a woman, so I can say this. It's like when you're pregnant, you don't notice other pregnant people, but then when you're pregnant, everybody's pregnant, right? Because you notice it, you're aware. So it was that way when I became uh, a, a vocal, obvious Christian at the office, all of a sudden these people came out of the woodwork. And so then, you know, we had small groups and then we're impacting a larger audience. So I just say, let your freak flag fly and, um, you know, just you got to embrace it. But, but it takes courage. And I get that it's not for everybody. And, you know, some people, they're worried about their employment and today's economy and all that stuff. So I totally get it. I'm not pie in the sky. But, you know, if you can, just be out there because well, you, you'll be surprised how people respond. This is exactly why people should be listening to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. John Ramstead, you have met your match. This woman will absolutely make this is going to take Eternal Leadership Podcast to a whole nother, nother level with the perspective that Sandra brings. That's just, it's super exciting. Oh, our interviews are way gooder, which is a technical term since Sandra has come on board. <laughs> I figured you're going to use some kind of Minnesota term. Good or really wasn't. That's more of a New Jersey kind oh, of Oh, Dare, you know, we got, you know, and I'm the interview is Dare, Dare, Better, Dare, you know. La, right? Yeah, for sure. To betcha. You, you got it. You got it right. This woman's incredible. Okay. okay. All right. So when we come back, we're going to go away from Minnesota. No, I can't do that. Martha will get so mad at me if she hears that I recorded that. All right. So we've got part of the team here today. Steve Ryder had to, well, he had kids to take places. And so we couldn't make it. We, we recorded the show late in the afternoon. Hey, we got John Ramstead on the air. We got Sandra Crawford. Williamson on the air. You could check out these guys online, eternalleadership.com, sandracrawfordwilliamson.com, but both of those links will be on our Facebook page right after the show. Make sure you check them out, sign up, get engaged with their podcast. It is a very wildly popular podcast, significantly more popular than I work for him. I'm a little bitter about it, but only bitter because I want you to tell me your secret, but you couldn't tell me your secret on how you get all your podcast downloads, but we want everybody to know about all the ministries that are involved and we love your ministries. Now, both of you, John, you're involved in an organization. I don't know everything you do every day, but you're involved in an organization that I'm very familiar with. How do you spend, what's your mission field look like? What's your business tree? Oh, my business dream. Let me encapsulate this. Uh, God, as I recovered from my accident, God spoke to me uh, four years ago. Now he said, John, I want to, I want you to use this life that I've given you to equip and inspire leaders to work in my kingdom. That led me into starting eternal leadership, which is what I would call my stained glass version of my company and beyond influence, which is my C Corp because we were hired by the U S air force and the army and fortune, some large fortune 100 companies to come in and actually change their leadership culture. So Jim, God has opened these doors for us to bring solid biblical Christ centered teaching without the scripture into these very secular environments. And the, the impact that it's having is huge, but here's what drives our entire team. And it's project 100 because God kept putting this vision on my heart, a million, a million dollars, a million people, just this number kept showing up everywhere. Here's what he showed me is because this thing was on my heart man. discipling nations. How does, how do you disciple a nation, Jim? How does Sandra disciple a nation? How does somebody listening disciple a nation? Well, here's how you do it. 
one person I believe in the next two years can have a positive kingdom impact on a million people. Go out and touch a hundred lives in a way that you equip, you teach, train, equip, and you launch them. And if those a hundred people touch a hundred other lives, that is now 10,000 people. If those 10,000 people touch another hundred lives, now you're at a million. You can go do that. So that is what drives us, Jim. That's the, that is our ideal client. That is the person we want to work with, that person that we can work with. I don't care where you are, whether you're right out of college or a CEO of a company uh, or a military leader or a podcast host. If you're that person that's going to go take what we can sow into you and freely give it out, man, then, then you're in our wheelhouse. And that is how we do what we're doing. And that drives every decision that we do. Really? I mean, you're transforming leaders. It's amazing what you guys are doing. And the, the program that you use, it is, it's unbelievable. I, I, I it is transformational. I just love that. Yes. It, you know, I don't know where you got that kind of name. What do you call it again? Your, your project 100, but you're doing what, what did you call your, your, I didn't write down your, your business tree is called Outside of eternal, oh, 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 beyond influence. Beyond influence. How, I, how do you lead beyond influence? How do you how do you lead somebody so well that they influence people that you don't even know that they exist outside of your own influence? That is the kind of leaders that we want to create. The people that lead beyond influence. Sandra, you are an influencer over hundreds, if not thousands of women, and you represent millions of women in the workplace all over this country. You're a married mom of three kids, you said. Uh, been married 14 years by my calculations. The, how old are your three kids? Well, they're about to have birthdays. They'll be 13, 9, and 7. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a late bloomer for sure. 13. And is that a boy or a girl? She's a girl. <laughs> so you're yeah. in the thick of it. That is so, awesome. So fun. It wasn't yeah. until you, she turned 11 or 12 till you realized Mean Girls was a documentary. That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> you know, she is precious. She's just like her dad. So she is um, very logical and, and intentional. And I'm, you know, woo, 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 let's go, let's go. So sometimes I feel like she's the parent. All right. So I love that. So you know that Sandra's real. You're an influencer. You're helping these women to understand, okay, I can be a mom. I can be a wife and I can be a significant influencer in my workplace, whether you get to be an executive like you or whether you're somebody in the middle of the weeds somewhere or at the bottom serving on the way up. What's a, just speak to the women out there, encourage them on how they can live out their faith vibrantly in all the different aspects of their lives. Yeah. You know, I like to say that authenticity is the new black, Um, you know, women that are working outside the home juggling, I call it, you know, I'm, I'm just a professional juggler and you got to keep all the, most women are. Yeah. And you got, you know, you, sometimes you got to know which plate can crash because you can't keep them all going. So, you know, you better make sure that the paper plates when it hits the floor. And so, you know, I make sure that that's never my children. That's never my husband. That's never my faith. And so sometimes, you know, I got to say, no, I got to mess up. And, um, I've learned to forgive myself, you know, um, mommy guilt is real. And I am a, I'm a constant <laughs> yes, you know, recovering addict from mommy guilt. Um, you know, but I, I have a talk that I do, which is um, ditch the mommy guilt and take the store-bought cupcakes. You know, in this world of social media, people are trying to live up to be this Pinterest mother, you know, this, this Pinterest mom that's showing up with like the homemade baked goods and the homemade soap for the Valentine's gifts. And I'm like, you know what? I got the day old cupcakes on the way at the grocery store and nobody cared. 
the kids didn't care. So, um, you know, it, that, that became apparent to me as my, my oldest hit second grade. I killed myself in first grade at this new school. And then in second grade, I was like, you know what? She just cares that I'm there. And, and so, you know, I, I like to speak to working women, um, you know, whether you're married or not, about, hey, stop trying to put on the airs and put on the mask every day and be something that you're not just be who God created you to be, you know, go read Ephesians two ten and like all the different languages that you can and all the different versions of the Bible. Cause it's so rich, but you know, what it tells you is that God already created you to be exactly like you wanted to, you know, he wanted you to be to do the exact work he created you for to do to do. And you better get busy. And so if you're wasting all this time trying to, you know, make a chocolate souffle and, you know, get, get your nails done and whatever. I mean, I love to get my nails done, but you have to yeah, remember that, you know, be who God created you to be and be happy with it. So, so I just be all myself, you can be is what you're saying. Well, I just say I'm a big hot mess. And by the grace of God, I'd be, you know, curled up under my bed with a gallon of bluebell ice cream. But God, every single day reminds me, you are perfect in the, the, you know, you're a piece of unique art that I created. So get up and go shine in the world. But the good news is you represent millions. And so they can relate to you, which is why people should be signing up and signing in to the Eternal Leadership Podcast every week, because you're given a perspective that women are craving and also getting involved in forwardwomen.com. Forwardwomen.com, an amazing discipleship ministry for women executives and business leaders. All right. First Timothy 3, 1 through 7 says a whole bunch of stuff, but it says this right at the beginning. The saying, This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to, to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. That'd be like a leader. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? My last question for the day. I think if we raised up leaders like that in our society, what would the world be like today? John Ramstead? It would be transformative. And you know what? What, the, what this says to me is as a leader, I need to embrace living in a glass house. And, and, and Sandra, what you said about authenticity, it's something mm-hmm. that the world fears. Often I have leaders come up and say, ah, you know, how authentic is, uh, is that authentic that you mean? You know, how much should I share? I'm like, you know, dude, unless you're yourself and you just share some of this stuff, people are not going to relate to you. If you're not willing to be what self-controlled and sober minded and, and gentle, right. You have to deal with conflict, right? It's not conflict. It's clarifying. You have to learn how to have these conversations, equip people. You know, sometimes you have to let people go because they're not good fit for your organization. I work with a lot of Christian organizations and letting people go sometimes (laughs) is the best thing you can do for them. Right. Trust me. But anyway, um, if we could actually learn how to be our best selves, um, learn how to serve others, to you know help them connect to their vision for their life, the one that God put in their heart, connect it to their life in and outside of work. All right, their God-given identity and destiny. Yep, their identity and destiny, and then we can be part of giving them the knowledge, the experience, and the tools that they need to do that. 
then we can launch them into what they're called to do. And the only way to do that is to be authentic and live according to this verse in the glass house. Well, and Sandra, as you stated, if women could just understand what you understand, hey, you can't do it all. You can't be Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was fake. In fact, there's a book out there by a great Christian author killing Wonder Woman. You know, but you, you just said it. You know, if we can, if leaders can be authentic, if they can be transparent, if they can be vulnerable, that's what Jesus was. He was an incredible leader. In fact, he changed the world. You know, he took 12 knuckleheads to change the world. Really quick, Sandra, what would that, and you got 10 seconds, what would that world look like if women would just understand what you understand? What would it look like? Well, I think it would be um, very refreshing, but I think it would be be much more uplifting and positive and um, supportive. You know, I think that because we spend so much time in society trying to be what culture tells us we should be, you know, the wonder woman, um, that that's exhausting. So we don't have time to pour into each other and support each other. So stop trying to be something you're not and, and work on serving other women and lifting them up. All right. John Ramstead, Sandra Crawford Williamson from eternal Thanks for being an I work for him today. Our, our, our absolute pleasure. You're awesome, Jim. Keep rocking. You've been listening to the I Work Frame radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's a mission field, but ultimately, I work for him.